the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, once again, we greet you folks and always look forward to our visits here on AM 950 WTLN. It's the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. Uh, We do this show every weekend and always delighted when you tune in with us. Uh, Alan Dempsey does our engineering each weekend, does it well. Uh, Andrew Herdliska is the producer. And uh, good friend Oz Guinness joins us in this first half hour. Prolific writer, social critic. His new book is out. It's coming out very quickly now. It's called Fool's Talk, Recovering the Art of Christian Persuasion. Uh, Oz, nice of you to join me again, and I hope things are well with you. They are indeed. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Pat. Thank you so Uh, much for having me. Oz, this title is fascinating. Fool's Talk, Recovering the Art of Christian Persuasion. What's, What's your mission here? What's going on? Well, the idea of the book is to encourage Christians to regain the gift of Christian persuasion. If you look at the last 50 years, obviously, public life in America has got a lot more secular, so religion squeezed out, and the private world has got a lot more diverse. You know, it's said today that everyone is now everywhere. We've got people of every different religion, worldview, ideology, you know, almost everywhere, including the South. And so we need as Christians to be able to talk persuasively and almost talk all the different languages of the different people we meet, and especially to talk to people who are not interested, not, who are not open at all. Because if you think that, most of our Christian evangelism is suited for people who are open, interested, and needy. And when they are, we're terrific. But of course, more and more people simply that they aren't, and we need to be persuasive. That's the central thrust of the book. You're following the tradition, and I want you to talk about some of these interesting people, Oz. Erasmus, Pascal, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, Malcolm Mugridge. Uh, talk about those men. Well, I love those men. That their, their approach to apologetics is what you might call the minority tradition. In other words, using stories and questions and parables and things like this, to be more subversive. You know, much of our evangelism, and a good deal of our apologetics, is frontal. You know, arguments for the resurrection, arguments for the historicity of the scriptures, and so on. And that's incredibly important. But how do you capture people's imagination in a way that are subversive? Well, you see that with this minority tradition, which of course goes back to our Lord himself, but it's often forgotten by the Church, and certainly today, We've got the um, everyone using a much more frontal approach, which simply, in a postmodern era, simply doesn't work. So I've gone back to these people, like the ones you mentioned, and try and show how they help us today in ways that we've often forgotten. Have we lost the art of <clears throat> Christian persuasion? Why is it so difficult, Oz? Well, I think we have. You know, Pat, I went to a school in England about 25 miles from France. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Americans aren't great at speaking European languages, nor are the English. In fact, we're worse. But what you saw, and I'm pretty bad at speaking French, too, although I went to school so close. What you saw when English or Americans crossed the Channel to France, they couldn't speak French, so they would speak English slower and more loudly. Ah. And in many ways, that's what a lot of Christians are doing in public life today. We're just speaking slower and more insistently and loudly, as if people who are atheists or Hindus or Muslims or whatever would understand us. No, we've got to be like the Apostle Paul. You remember he says, I'm a Jew to the Jew, Gentile to Gentile. I'm all things to all people in order to win them to Christ. In other words, Mm. he reached them, he didn't join them, 
No, he reached them and brought them back with him to our Lord. And in the same way, we need to be able to speak to everyone we meet in different ways. So put it like this. Jesus never talked to two people the same way. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I suggest in the book, we should re-examine, maybe even can, all our recipes and formula, even the really wonderful ones, like, say, the four spiritual laws, because they just simply don't fit everybody. So we've got to know how, like our Lord, to talk to each person with love, but with differences. Oz Guinness is our guest. Uh, his book is out with uh, IVP Books. It's called Fool's Talk. Uh, Oz, are certain people born more comfortable sharing their faith? Well, I'm certainly, that that's definitely true. I mean, some people are just born marketers. You know, whatever they're enthusiastic about, it would spill over cheerfully. And that is certainly true. And some people then are gifted by the Lord and by the Holy Spirit, save for the gift of evangelism or apologetics. But the great danger is that we rely on these people rather than seeing it as something for everyone. So when Peter writes in his letter, you know, 1 Peter 3.15, be always ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you. He's not talking to evangelists or apologists. He's talking to the whole of the early church. In other words, he wanted people to know who they believe, why they believe what they believe, and to know how to share it, because that word reason for the hope that's within you, the Greek word is apologia, knows to give an apology, a reasoned defense. And uh, the early church was pretty good at that, and we need to regain that gift, as I said, in an age that's much more secular and much more diverse, so we can talk to anyone we meet. Oz, you say that our age is quite simply the greatest opportunity for Christian witness since the time of Jesus and the apostles, and our response should be to seize the opportunity with bold and imaginative enterprise. Boy, I'd love for you to expand on that. Well, if you just think of the age of communications we're in, never has the technology of communications, take the Internet, been cheaper and more powerful and more accessible to anyone. Now, of course, that creates the illusion. A teenage girl said to me, we should be able to win the world by tomorrow afternoon. I said, no. Actually, there are oddities in communicating that we need to be aware of, too. For example, we're in a world in which everybody's talking, hardly anyone's really listening. And one of the hardest things to get today is focused attention, you know, which Jesus always spoke to. Whoever has ears, let him hear, because he knew everyone could hear physically, but many people went listening spiritually and morally. But technologically, we have the possibility today of truly reaching the entire world. And this is incredible, but we've got to do it with great wisdom. And we have to face up to the many challenges of the new age with realism, I would think. And as you put it, for there are oddities in the age of communication that actually make it harder to communicate well today rather than easier. (laughs) You're exactly right. Wow. I mentioned inattention. Well, you take another one that's not quite so obvious, inflation. Mm. You know, take, say, the impact of advertising. They uh, use incredible language and amazing photographs in commercials and so on to give a leg up to relatively low-level things like hamburgers or toothpaste and so on. And at the end of the day, you hear these incredible ads. You go, oh, it's all just words, words, words. And then someone hears about the gospel and sounds like a television jingle. Mm. In other words, in our society, we've seen a huge inflation of words. Who trusts the politician? Who trusts the commercial writers? And so on. But then who trusts preachers? You know, historians point out that when the Puritans preached, say, in New England, the average Puritan would have listened to 40,000 hours of sermons in a lifetime. (laughs) But the important point was there are almost no other voices at all. No radio, no television, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Whereas in our day, we have thousands of voices every day And everything's reduced to verbiage, words, words, words. Now, as Christians, we're people of the Word, with a capital W, the Scripture, but we're also people of words. To us, words matter, and so we must never reduce them. But today, it's hard to speak with a genuine simplicity. If ever we needed the power of the Holy Spirit, and not just super new technology, 
It's in our age. Oz Guinness is our guest, a prolific writer, and his latest book is out. It's a very interesting read, an important read. It's called Fool's Talk. Uh, IVP is the publisher. Recovering the Art of Christian Persuasion. Um, The book is coming out very quickly now, folks, so uh, get it ordered. Uh, Some wonderful endorsements, Ravi Zacharias among them. Uh, We've got one more segment with Oz Guinness from his home in the Washington, D.C. area, so stay with us. You're listening to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we do this show every weekend. Always glad to have you with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Got the right job? Are you happy? Does your work matter? Start the new year with ChristianJobs.com, the largest website for matching Christians with careers to get excited about. ChristianJobs.com. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are, why do we have trials, and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. We've got some great news for parents. Half-price tuition. It's available right now to some of the best private Christian schools in Central Florida. Schools like Orlando Christian Prep, One School for the Arts, King of Kings Lutheran, Longwood Academy, Altamont Christian, Apopka Christian Academy, and so many other great private Christian schools. You can check out all the schools and the savings in one place. AmazingRadioDeals.com. No games, no gimmicks, no kidding. Start saving on tuition this fall. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com right now. Tired of dentures that slip? Fed up with the gooey adhesive? The taste and the mess? Yuck! Maybe you don't wear dentures, but you have a few teeth that are in need of replacing. Let me guess, the expense is holding you back, right? Well, we have your solution. Half-Price Dental Implants. Just go to AmazingRadioDeals.com and click on Half-Price Dental Implants. No gimmicks, no tricks, just fine quality implants so you can have the smile you've always wanted. And for half the price, hurry, this offer will go fast. Log on now at AmazingRadioDeals.com for Half-Price Dental Implants. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Oz Guinness, uh, the uh, best selling author, is with us. We're talking about his new book. It's called Fool's Talk. Oz, uh, here's another interesting area that you get into. Uh, evangelism, you believe, is alive and well in the rapidly growing churches of the global south where the challenge is to recover an ardor for discipleship and a discernment of the modern world to match the zeal for evangelism. Uh, I need you to expand on that one, please. Well, if you look at the church globally, the church isn't doing very well in the West, in America and Europe and so on. It's exploding in the global South. But as one of the archbishops of Africa said to me, our evangelisms are mile wide, but an inch deep. I talked to an evangelist in Cape Town at the Lausanne Congress, he said, I can easily take a few Land Rovers, put up incredible loudspeakers, and have 40,000 at a a rally in an evening, and tens of thousands will come to Christ, but Mm. who will disciple them? In other words, as they say, evangelism is outstripping discipleship, but you also need a discipleship that is very discerning of the challenges that are coming of the modern world. So I thank the Lord for the explosion of the gospel in the global south but it's much shallower than it should be. And the same thing sometimes is true in in Asia, too, in places like China. So we need to encourage our brothers and sisters to have discipleship and not just evangelism. And, of course, we need the same here, too. What's your definition of discipleship, Oz? Well, discipleship, by that I mean growing and maturing in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In other words, a disciple of Jesus. Now, that, I think, means first that we come to know and to trust and to love him and his Father. So the heart of everything is a relationship. Then secondly, it means growing in our obedience in living the way of Jesus. Jesus didn't teach 12 doctrines or anything like that. He taught people to live his way. For example, 
loving our enemies, which is a very radical teaching, and all sorts of things like that. So we've got to live his way. And then thirdly, of course, and this one we're better at, is sharing the faith so that we introduce others to know Jesus the way we do, the Great Commission. Now you put those three things together, knowing him, living his way, and reaching out, you see the heart of discipleship, and every day we know our Lord, we should be growing in those areas, and that's what I mean by discipleship. Is an evangelist differently skilled than a discipler? I think so, yes. Evangelists, um, they're not salespeople, but they're like salespeople, with that incredible ability to reach out to people wherever they are. And as you know, Pat, from the business world, some people are just born marketers, born salespeople, and they could be selling Orlando Magic, or they could be selling our Lord. And they're just born infectious, bubbly people who reach out in wonderful ways. And many of us are not born with that gift. We've got to learn some of the arts of reaching out. For example, anyone you meet, when we read the New Testament, our Lord immediately knew where the heart was, rich young ruler. Money had got too big a place in his life, and our Lord challenges him, and so on. We don't know people like that. We don't have that instant radical discernment. So we have to replace that with love that listens. You think of, say, Rick Warren's constant approach, tell me your story. So we love people enough to listen and ask them the story of their lives, and they start to share. We begin to get a clue where their hearts are, so that when we eventually share the gospel with them, it's an accurate um, ability to communicate to where the person is, because we've loved them enough to listen to them. Yeah, that's so vital, isn't it? And and by nature, we're not good listeners, are we? No, we aren't. Certainly not today, where everyone wants to speak, and nobody really wants to listen, because there's a humility and a love and a patience in listening. We want to dive in and get to our point. Oz, I I was interested, intrigued just a minute ago. You talked about the spread of the gospel in other worlds, Africa, China. Uh, I mean, you hear these reports. Are they accurate? Is the gospel really moving at that pace? Well, you know, you get a few embroidered stories, there's no question. But overall, absolutely accurate. You know, where I happen to be born, obviously nothing to do with me, where I happen to be born in north-central China is said to be the epicenter of the fastest growth of a Christian church in 2,000 years. What's happening is absolutely staggering and so different from our rather more miserable experience in the West. But what's done in the Western church is its capitulation, caving in to the challenges of the advanced modern world, which means at the moment most of the global South is somewhat pre-modern. So their challenge is coming. And I I was in Taiwan a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying to the Christian leaders there, you know, the church in China has survived the most vicious, brutal persecution, one of the most vicious in history under Mao Zedong. But now that that's relaxing somewhat, not completely, and you have Christians moving, say, from the country to big cities like Shanghai, they're actually facing a bigger challenge to their faith, negotiating big city life in Shanghai, than actually surviving persecution. That sounds rather heartless to say that, but that's an even bigger challenge, because we we in the West have often failed, and their challenge is now coming. Mm. We hear a lot about South Korea as well. Well, the church exploded in South Korea, and that was significant, because Korea was modernizing, mm-hmm. and the faith was exploding at the same time. But sadly, they put so much emphasis in huge churches and things like that, you can see that the South Korean church growth is in trouble. Hmm. And many of the younger generation are not coming to the faith. And we've got to remember, you can't substitute face-to-face incarnate living and evangelism with high-tech. You know, so you can have multi-site churches and reach millions of people, but actually the incarnation tells us that fundamentally we need to be person-to-person, face-to-face. And that's the deepest, strongest evangelism and apologetics of all. Oz Guinness is our guest. Uh, The book that he has written is out. It's called Just Out. It's brand new, A Fool's Talk 
Recovering the Art of Christian Persuasion. Uh, I would be remiss, Oz, if I didn't ask you about uh, Western Europe and, and where all of those nations are spiritually. Do you see any encouraging signs? Definitely encouraging signs, Pat. I mean, the overall picture is bleak. And you've got to say, if you look at the major reasons for Western for secularism in Western Europe, sadly, I have to say, they are the reactions to corrupt, oppressive state churches in the past. But fortunately, you can see many young Europeans now reacting to an empty secularism. So let me give you one example. My old rector in Oxford is Michael Green, now in his mid-80s. A great scholar, great pastor, but also an irrepressible evangelist. He was invited to Poland, I think, a couple of years ago. There were 25 students in the fellowship putting on a mission in their university. At the end of his week there, there were 250 new Christians, and mm. the little group of 25 was trying to integrate the 250. And I could give you stories of the opening to the gospel all around Europe. They're actually encouraging things are happening. So even in, say, the Sorbonne, the student groups in the Sorbonne are packed with evangelistic things today, which I wouldn't have believed when I was a student. The Sorbonne was a center of sort of citadel of secularism. So there are signs of a turning in Europe. Not huge yet, but discernible. What are state churches, Oz? Well, state churches where it becomes the official church of the land say, Catholicism as it was in Spain, or the the Church of England in England. You know, as you know, in history, up to 1,500 years of essentially state churches like that, the First Amendment disestablished religion. There was no official um, formal state church in America. And as you know well, religion flourished. Religions of all sorts, but certainly the Christian faith, they flourished, not despite disestablishment, but because of it. It was made voluntary, and of course, that's what it always should be all along. So the state churches were an incredible disservice to the freedom of the gospel. Oz, if I wanted to take a Christian tour of England and the history of the church there, Christian leaders, uh, what are the sites I'd want to visit? Gosh, well, my own home is Oxford, and you see so much of it there. But, of course, it goes back much, much earlier than Oxford. But in Oxford, you can see the place where Ridley and Latimer and Archbishop Cranmer were burned to the stake mm. for their stands for the gospel. You can see where the Holy Club met in Lincoln College, and John Wesley and his brother Charles and then George Whitfield met and prayed so earnestly. You can see... Uh, where C.S. Lewis's rooms were and the Addison's Walk, where Tolkien persuaded him of the truth of, of creation and so on. And Oxford is just packed with things mm. that are connected with the gospel. And, of course, uh, Balliol College, where uh, John Wycliffe was, and the, the Morning Star of the Reformation. Now you go to Cambridge and see similar things there. So um, England is just jam-packed with things that have been important uh, to the Gospel, to the Reformation, to the Wesleyan and uh, Evangelical revivals, and all sorts of things. So you can certainly take at least three weeks to see some of these, and of course you can go back and see older monasteries that go way, way back to the evangelization of Britain in the 4th century. Hmm. How about Spurgeon's Church? Could we see that? It's not. Uh, it's a while since I've been there. You can see where it was, but it's not the actual church that Mm-hmm. Charles Haddon Spurgeon himself preached in. And then another one of my favorites, Campbell Morgan. Campbell Morgan. I never heard him, but my parents often listened to him. And, of course, you can see the place where he preached and so on. And then more recent great preachers. When I was a student, the, the two great preachers in London were John Stott and um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Sure, who, who followed Campbell Morgan. And, of course, you can see where they were, too. So... England is in sorry state today, spiritually, but you can see many of the sites, and it's incredibly encouraging where these great men and women of God, you know, preached and prayed and all sorts of things. Oz Guinness is with us. Um, Fool's Talk, uh, the name of his book, it's uh, just coming out. Uh, In closing, Oz, we've got a couple of minutes here. I want you to 
give a challenge to our listeners based on what we've been talking about? Well, Pat, as you know well, we're an extraordinary moment, a watershed moment for the church in America. Some people think we're reaching the point of no return. I think only the Lord knows that. But there's no question that we're a majority, we who are followers of Jesus and Christians, we're a majority, and yet tiny groups like, say, gays and lesbians, bless their hearts, have far more cultural influence than we do. And one of the missing dimensions of Christian witness is persuasion. In other words, whatever the issue is in the public square, to get out, make a case for the Christian way of seeing things that's positive and persuasive. So I think it's one of the essentials today. We can't just, one of the founders of MTV put it to me like this. You know, evangelicals are good, he said, at preaching, pronouncements, protests, picketing. He said lots of the P words, but they miss the crucial P word, which is persuasion. Mm. And so that's the challenge of our hour. We believe passionately in the way of Jesus and the truth of the gospel, but we've got to be out there in public life making a powerful case for it and not always be defensive and put on the back foot. And I like that word. I hadn't thought of it, uh, Oz. Persuasion. That's really what we're doing, isn't it? Absolutely. And so uh, we can all persuade. Listen, my children, my grandchildren can persuade anything if they if they want ice cream or, or if they want to <laughs> stay up later we do, at we night. We do it without thinking. I mean, they're the greatest salesmen in the world. <laughs> so, uh, That's right. If you can get that next generation uh, really locked in on the whole area of persuasion, uh, I think that's a whole new look at it, Oz, and I think that's the power of your book here. Yeah, no, that's my hope, that we'll have a generation rising convinced of the gospel, but gifted in knowing how to make a persuasive case for it to people at the moment not interested, and so on. We can do it. What's next for you, Oz? You got more trips planned? Are you heading overseas? What's, what's happening in your life? Well, I'm, actually, next week I'll be in Atlanta for the Rabbi Zacharias Summer School. And then the week after, I'm going over to Oxford for a month of, of, of teaching there. You're going back te- to some writing. You're a teacher at heart, aren't you? Well, uh, no, I actually prefer a poly- I'm actually a journalist at heart, Pat. I'm a, to, mm-hmm. to teach and repeat things would be rather boring to me. That's why I'm not an academic teacher. But uh, I do like making sense of things. Oz Guinness. Oz, a million thanks. Wonderful to talk to you. Fool's Talk, the name of the book. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here on the new 950 WTLN. All week long, he slaves away for the man. Weekends, he's there in the yard. He taught you to throw a ball and never threw you a curve. Taught you to drive and never took you for a ride. Dad's done a lot for you over the years, and that's worth celebrating. With a unique and distinctive e-card, which you can send for free from CrossCards.com. Dad's done a lot for you. Do something different for him. Make his day with CrossCards.com. Hey, I'm Chris Brown, host of Chris Brown's True Stewardship, brought to you by Ramsey Solutions. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor, I've seen how handling money poorly can tear apart lives. Well, imagine what life would be like if there were no car payments, student loans, or money fights. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. Chris Brown's True Stewardship. Right after New Life Live, weekdays at 2. On your intersection of faith and reason, the new 950 WTLN. 
This week on Through the Bible Radio, we'll be wrapping up Dr. J. Vernon McGee's study in the book of Jonah and jumping right into the epistle of 1 John. According to Dr. McGee, this letter was written to people who had become assembly line Christians programmed by the computer of compromise. They had become plastic. Sounds like many Christians today, doesn't it? Well, that's just another example of the timeliness of God's Word. We hope that you'll tune in and join us. Through the Bible, weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Oz Guinness, our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about his new book called Fool's Talk. And speaking of new books, there's a new one out. It's called Inside Job. Uh, Stephen Smith is the author, co-founder and president of the Potter's Inn. And uh, his book is called Inside Job, Doing the Work Within the Work. Steve, it's a joy to catch up with you. I hope you're doing well. Thank you, Pat. I'm delighted to be with you guys down in Orlando and across Florida. Uh, Steve lives outside of Colorado Springs, and uh, we're happy to have him with us. Uh, Before we plow into this book, Steve, uh, tell me about the Potter's Inn. What is the Potter's Inn? The Potter's Inn is a ministry located in Colorado Springs, Pat. We work with leaders in the marketplace, such as yourself, such as leaders all across Central Florida. We work with leaders in the marketplace who are business owners, teachers, high school wrestling coaches. We also work with pastors and missionaries people that are giving their hearts away, trying to help others. I've learned over the years, Pat, that people who give need to be given to, and that's our mission at Potter's Inn. We help restore the soul of leaders who were out there burning the rope at both ends 24-7 in the business world, but also in ministry. And we're delighted to have this ministry, and it's been a great encouragement to many people. What does the title of your book mean, Inside Job? The book Inside Job is the culmination of my life's work, Pat. I have worked with leaders for over 40 years. I'm 60 years old, and this book really brings together kind of the culmination of everything I know, the good, the bad, the ugly, about what it means to be a leader, what it means to redefine success. And so the book Inside Job is really helping you to do the inside work as you do the outside work. Most of us, when we finish college or finish high school or get a job, we're all about getting the job done. But there is this wonderful, most important piece of doing your inside job, and that's about character development and growth, Pat. Is that a problem with leaders? It's a tremendous problem with leaders. There is, you, you, I don't even have to quote statistics. Everybody in Central Florida knows that leadership is just in crisis. There's a a corrosion of character. Our values are sweeping away and changing in the white water of life. Uh, There's a lot of financial success, but there's a lot of internal implosion. The American home is fragile. Our lives are fragile. And so it really is the, the whole point I make in the book is until we do our inside job, until we do the inside work, Pat, we're just going to be spinning plates and not really growing, not really transforming, just carrying our problems from one decade to the next. So the Inside Job is a practical manual for men and women who are in the marketplace and ministry to help them really tackle their hearts and their lives and to, and to grow and to seek transformation. How did you personally get pulled into the lure of success, Steve? The lure of the of success was a lure I bit down hard, Pat. I I began to work and work and work. My father was a workaholic. That's what I thought it meant to be a man. And down through the decades of my 20s and 30s and into my 40s, I was celebrated for really being a workaholic. One of my mentors, Dallas Willard, says that busyness is the only sin that the North American church celebrates. Busyness is the only sin that the North American church celebrates. And so when we're busy, we think we're successful. When we're making money, we think we're successful. But inside job, doing the work within the work helps you to redefine success. And I say that success is an inside job, Pat. It's, 
success and contentment and satisfaction are those moving markers in our hearts and our lives that we've got to redefine or else we'll bite down on the lure. It cost me a lot. It almost cost me my marriage. Uh, it costs, uh, It just robs us of peace. We can't go to sleep. We're the most over-medicated uh, and over-prescribed generation in the history of the world. We're, we're not at peace. And the reason, Pat, is that many of us are not committed to doing the inside job, the work that we need to do to really grow and cultivate our hearts and our lives. Why is it important, Steve, to have mentors? Pat, we need people to show us the way. If, if we don't have people pointing us the way, we'll go, in, we'll go in any direction. There's a lot of voices out there telling us, come this way, come this way, come this way. But men and women who are proven, who are seasoned, who are veterans in life can point out major roadblocks and major obstacles. I've been mentored a lot through books, and so I'm a passionate book lover. I know you are too, Pat. I've read some of your books. And that's the way we really help people. We read so that we're not alone. So Inside Job really becomes a voice of seasoned leaders out there, both in the marketplace and ministry, that are saying, hey, come to the right, come to the left. Don't get swept up here in the white water of life. What do you mean by the work within the work? That's a great question. It's the subtitle of the book, Inside Job, Doing the Work Within the Work. There, we are chasing balance, the, the work-life balance dilemma. We're always trying to say, I feel like I'm, I'm in the hamster wheel of life. I'm spinning and spinning and spinning. In order to get off the hamster wheel, we, we've got to learn how to do the work within the work. There's some hook in our soul that's making us spin. We strip the gears of our life. We go from second gear to fourth gear. Pat, I work with so many leaders, hundreds and thousands of leaders, they've stripped the gears of their life. They just go from backwards to race, and there's no in-between. So learning how to live in rhythm is an important section of this book, Inside Job. It's, it's the most neglected piece, I think, of Christian thinking, because we're caught up in trying to spin plates and keep the plates from falling. But living in rhythm is something we talk about in the book, Inside Job, as living with limits and learning to embrace your limits. Uh, so that's the work within the work. So section by section, chapter by chapter in the book. And then also, Pat, there's an accompanying workbook that you can get online um, through myinsidejob.com. Org and order the workbook along with the book Inside Job. Steve Smith is our guest, co-founder and president of the Potter's Inn, uh, author of a new book, Inside Job. Uh, talk more about balance in life, Steve. I think that's an issue with men. It's an issue with men and women. We all want balance because we feel like we're not in sync. Something's wrong with that way. And so the the Pat, I don't know if most of our listeners today realize this, but the word balance isn't even found in the concordance of the Bible. And Jesus never spoke about living in balance, but he was a man that showed us how to live, and he lived in a rhythm. He engaged with people, and then he disengaged. Leaders in the marketplace and ministry are all about engaging. We want to know how to make more sales, how to bring in more money, how to get the clients to commit, how to grow our church. But we have to learn, Pat, as we work through our life, that if we live in that fifth-gear living, it's a manic living, it's void of robust sanity in our lives, we can live in rhythm. And so Sabbath, for instance, is a biblical principle to help us disengage one whole day a week. And Pat, as long as I was in college and seminary and in grad school, I ne never was shown how to really live in rhythm. It was just assumed that this is what you do. You get up, you, you work your butt off night, you know, 12 hours a day, and you try to cram in a little bit of vacation or rest. We don't know how to rest. And technology, Pat, has really amplified this issue. We're 24-7. We're wired. I, I read recently that uh, somebody checks their cell phone on average every 72 seconds with that subtle thing in our mind, somebody might need me. And so when we go to bed, we sleep with our cell phones by our bed or under our pillow, and this manic living has 
really wound us up so that we're, we're really an out-of-control generation. And, Pat, we call this out-of-control, busy, heart-annihilating life, the abundant life. Something's wrong. And Inside Job, the book that InterVarsity Press has just published and brand new, it's just releasing this week, so your, reader, your listeners are with us at the perfect time, is really a guidebook to help a person, a small business owner, uh, a coach, a high school teacher, a pastor, a leader in the city, your mayor down in Orlando, anyone to know how to really find a new paradigm of how to live. And, and I'm so happy that um, the book is out. Steve, how do you help redefine success then? Well, it's pretty hard and it's pretty simple. It's that paradox. Success is the inside job. The American culture that we live has painted a picture for us of what success looks like, that American dream. And in so many cases, Pat, our American dream has crumbled. It has fractures and fissures in it. We don't know how to be content. And the Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, while he was in prison, it wasn't like he was running a multi-million dollar enterprise or endeavor. While he was in prison and his hands and his feet chained, he said, I have learned how to be content. And that is the mission of every leader in the marketplace or ministry, to learn this secret of what it means to be content. And in the book, Inside Job, I walk you through those steps of how do you really unpack what contentment really looks like for you so that we're not at the end of our life on our deathbed and reaching for our financial portfolios. We're not going to be doing that, Pat, on our deathbed. We're going to be wanting our hearts to be at peace and the people that we love to be with us. We have to do the inside job in order to make sound decisions and to prevent this corrosion of character that's in politics, it's in ministry, it's in the business, it's sweeping across the country, and we export it all over the world. So Inside Job is a paradigm shift to help people think through and navigate the white waters of life and leadership. Are you content in your life, Steve? I have grown to learn to be content. I've redefined it. I used to think contentment was measured by the outside markers. How big's my house? What year is my car model that I'm driving? Are my kids, you know, all in wonderful colleges? As you grow through life, Pat, you learn that contentment and that sense of well-being is something that we have to learn to cultivate or we will be swept away in a in an emotional tsunami and a spiritual tsunami that will just sweep across us. And so learning to be content, I can say that I am more at peace at this time in my life than I have been ever in my life. And a lot of it, Pat, is due to the fact that I've been committed to doing my inside job. So the workbook and the book itself are like a companion piece to help you do a 360-degree walk around your heart your contentment, your life goals, your life purpose. And so as you do the work, I think what our listeners will find and the readers of the book will find, Pat, is that we grow and we cultivate and we nurture a deep sense of shalom peace, that biblical word, well-being, so that we can withstand the tectonic plates of the world as they shift economically for us and the collapse and the rise, that we're not following the trends on social media, we're living with conviction, we're living with character. Where did your interest in leadership come from? Where, when did it start? It started early in my life. Uh, as I started out in my first pastorate. I used, when I was a young pastor, I watched these wonderful men and women just grow tired and weary and just be so disillusioned. It's like modern-day rich young rulers, Pat. They grabbed my heart. The rich young ruler was that man that came up to Jesus. He was very successful, but he lacked something inside. And from that moment in my life, I was really felt compelled and drawn to people who were successful, people that wanted to be successful. And I was one of those people. Who, who wants to wake up and say, I want to be a failure? My guest is a wonderful writer and a very insightful leader on 
leader on leadership. His name is Stephen Smith. He's with us from his home in uh, the Colorado Springs area. Uh, we're talking about his new book, <clears throat> Inside Job. And uh, Steve has been through it all, a co-founder and president of the Potter's Inn and a prolific author. Uh, we've got another segment with Steve. I want you to stay with us. Uh, just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. We do this show every weekend and always delighted when you join us. So stay with us. More with Steve Smith right after more of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Just make it all stop for a few minutes. Help me, God. Three deadlines, four meetings. Uh, looks like another late night at the office. Help me, God. I keep coming to these to forget my loneliness. So why do I still feel so alone? Help me, God. Don't love me anymore. You're just, no, don't you're cry on me, please. Please, don't, don't, please, don't. Help, Help me, God. We all have moments where we feel we've reached the end of our rope. Discover freedom from anxiety, stress, and fear when you spend time in God's Word. Crosswalk.com is here to help you start living a life filled with joy and peace. Choose to read the Bible and talk to God each day. Receive free daily devotionals from well-known pastors and authors, including Max Lucado, John Piper, Charles Stanley, James McDonald, and more. Find the inspiration and encouragement you need for each day sent right to your inbox. Sign up at Crosswalk.com. That's Crosswalk.com. Tired of dentures that slip? Fed up with the gooey adhesives? <laughs> the taste and the mess? Yuck. Maybe you don't wear dentures, but you have a few teeth that are in need of replacing. Let me guess, the expense is holding you back, right? Well, we have your solution. Half Price Dental Implants. Just go to AmazingRadioDeals.com and click on Half Price Dental Implants. No gimmicks, no tricks, just fine quality implants so you can have the smile you've always wanted. And for half the price, hurry, this offer will go fast. Log on now at AmazingRadioDeals.com for Half Price Dental Implants. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace, Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Steve Smith is with us. Um, His book is out. It's called Inside Job. And uh, it's a must-read, really, for any leader doing the work within the work. Uh, Steve, have you learned over the years uh, what makes a leader? Are they born that way? Are they developed? How does a leader become a leader, and when does it happen? Well, Pat, I think every leader is both born and every leader is developed. And when you look back over your career or I look back over my career, I was born with gifts and talents and desires and longings, but all of that got cultivated. And in American culture, what the the issue is is that we're not taught character development in grad school. We're not taught the real chutzpah, the DNA of leadership. We are given skills. We are given assessments. But the cultivation of character is something that is sadly missing in both the marketplace and ministry. Half of the people I work with, Pat, are in ministry. They're pastors and missionaries. And I know in Central Florida, you've got thousands of leaders like that. But in seminary, we're not even taught. In Bible school, we're, we're given skills, how to study the Bible, how what's in the book of Romans. But in the book Inside Job, I take second Peter, Peter, the great leader. He was a small business owner that transformed with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. He was always listed first every time in the New Testament. And he's the one, Pat, that gives us this whole step by step way of cultivating our life in Second Peter chapter 1, and they're called virtues. We are a generation that has lost sight of any guiding virtues. We are driven by outer markers of success, how much money we have, 
how big our houses are, how many cars we have and toys we have, but the inner markers of success are what captivated us. And this is what we talk about in the book Inside Job, Pat, and every leader is cultivated to grow in their understanding of what are the inner markers of success. Tell me the leaders, aside from Jesus, of course, tell me the leaders in the Bible that you admire, Steve. I have fallen in love with Peter, because Peter is a fallible man. He made many mistakes, even after his conversion. I was just reading in the book of Acts, you know, he was the leader of the church, and people listened to Peter. He was a great and eloquent speaker, but he kind of messed up. His his beliefs weren't right, and he had to kind of be set straight. I love that 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 role in Peter's life, Pat, that he was flexible. He was willing to grow. He's what we would call in the 21st century, Peter was a lifelong learner, and he learned from other men and women that came alongside of him and just corrected him and challenged him and encouraged him. We live in an age, Pat, where leaders need to be encouraged. There's so much where people feel like, get your numbers up, get make more money, get this up. I have four sons, and they're constantly telling me all the time of the pressure they feel. And I've been working with my own sons who are 26 through 33, Pat, and as emerging leaders to say, this is the time for you to develop the inner markers of success, the inner skills. And when you look in the Bible, uh, Pat, it's not just a book. The Bible is not just a book about evangelism or church planting. It is a book about every woman and every man, their journey, their personal journey of doing their inside job. That's just a title I kind of came up with and really liked it. It's, the Bible is, the, is full of men and women who started one way, but then kind of had to do a 180. And you've probably had that experience, Pat. I've definitely had that experience. And leaders that I work with, as long as we're open, God is always the potter, He's and we're the clay, and He's after reshaping our hearts and helping us do the inside job. Was Paul a great leader? Paul was a great leader, but, you know, he was one of those leaders that had to do a 180. He was a persecutor. He was responsible for killing and brutalizing Christians, wonderful men and women. So he had to do his inside job. He saw the light, and he began to change, and then he began to grow. And I really trace his leadership journey in the book, too. As he went away and had three years in Arabia. He just didn't convert to Jesus and then all of a sudden go out and start leading a movement. He had three years, Pat, of doing his inside work and his inside job when he was in the desert. We forget this. We just say, go to college and get started. We forget that every man and woman has an inner journey to take as they do their outer journey. And this is what's the challenge in American business today is we are setting men and women up for failure rather than saying, as much as you can go and do your outside work, you've got to bring your inside job with you as you do your outside work or you're going to implode. I work with men and women all over the world who are imploding, who come to Colorado, who are saying, I am dead on arrival. I have hit a wall. My wife is leaving me. I'm a workaholic. I'm a secret addict with pornography. The inside job is where you begin just to expose your heart and your life to God and say, change me, help me grow. And that's the promise. I think when God hears a man or a woman say, I want to grow, I want to do my inside job, I think it just lights up heaven. I think it's just like fireworks on the 4th of July for God. Stephen Stephen Smith is our guest. His book is called Inside Job, Doing the Work Within the Work. So, Steve, after uh, people read your book, uh, what do you want them to take away? I want them to take away practical steps, A, B, C, that they can implement as they're reading the book. I, I write on a very simple level, Pat. I, I'm not a, a genius. I write for the everyday man and the everyday plumber and the everyday school teacher and the everyday doctor and the everyday pastor. The inside job is not a high and lofty um, goal. It's not insurmountable. It's just that until I think this book has come out, we we have been maybe sometimes raising the bar too high. And so 
this is kind of bringing the cookies down to the lowest shelf path for, for the doctor, for the plumber, for the pastor, and to say, this is how I can begin. And I think one of the great goals I have is for groups of men and women through Sunday school classes and meeting at Starbucks and sitting there on your great beaches in Florida to read this together and for husband and wives to say, let's do our inside job together rather than you do it your way and I do it my way. So the workbook is a companion guide and it's available. All of our listeners today can go on myinsidejob.com. I'm sorry, myinsidejob.org myinsidejob.org and read what other people are saying. You can order the book there. You can order the study guide, and the book will be available in your bookstores all across the central Florida area, and of course, through online distributors such as Amazon and Christian um, Book Warehouse. Steve, what do you find to be pastors' biggest struggles? I think that struggle of many, many pastors is very hard for your listeners to hear because sometimes as church members and churchgoers, we we forget about that pastors feel isolated and that they're lonely. Many pastors are in that role of giving and giving and giving. Who gives to them? And Pat, this is the same in your organization with your basketball team. It's like we get in these positions We have to give, we have to be that person, but who is for us? Who is really for us? There's a lot of people that are against us, we feel sometimes, but who is really our soulful advocate in life? And I think, uh, by and large, the number one problem that marketplace leaders and ministry leaders both share in common is it's lonely at the top. It's that old adage, it is lonely at the top. And Inside Job will help you navigate that sense of aloneness and foster and cultivate authentic community, maybe with just two or three people. It doesn't have to be 12. Um, that's never really been my case. It's just, I just say, God, send me one person. Send me two people. Okay. Our guest, ladies and gentlemen, has been Stephen Smith. His book, Inside Job, and it's a good read, an important read for anybody in any position of leadership. The subtitle, Doing the Work Within the Work. Well, we're really glad that you could have joined us here this week, weekend. And remember, we've got a wrap-up right after these messages. And uh, a reminder, folks, you're listening to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. We do this show every weekend, and always delighted to have you with us. It's on AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Back for the wrap-up right after these messages. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hi, folks. Alan Thick here. You know, some things in life are just too serious to take chances on, and owing money to the IRS is definitely one of those. The IRS has the power to garnish your paycheck. They can levy your bank account, even take your home or business. Seriously. Thankfully, with one simple call, you can start solving your tax debt once and for all. Optima Tax Relief is the leading tax resolution firm in the nation. They have over 250 professionals. They have an A rating with the Better Business Bureau and the trust of thousands of satisfied clients. Optima's attorneys can immediately protect you from aggressive collections because they are experts in the Fresh Start Initiative. That's a special IRS debt forgiveness program that could save you thousands. Don't wait till it's too late. Get serious. Call Optima now for your free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Well, we're so glad that you could join us, folks, for the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. Oz Guinness, our guest in the first half hour, talking about his new book, Fool's Talk, uh, with IVP Publishers. And then Stephen Smith joined us from the Colorado Springs area. And uh, his book is out. It's called Inside Job, another IVP product. And uh, we're grateful for both of our guests. 
who joined us here this uh, this day. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com and the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And check out my most recent book. It's called 21 Great Leaders. Uh, we look at 21 leaders who have had a huge impact on the world. Do a chapter on each one of them. Barber Books put the book out, and it's in bookstores now and up on Amazon.com as well. In the meantime, have a wonderful week ahead. A great day at church. And we'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour on AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.